Hi, welcome back to Baritone Podcast. I am one of the producers of the show, Lucas. Today on the show, we have a couple of the guys from the band The Royal Halls. The Royal Halls put out their first full-length record, Center of the Frame, out on Old Bear earlier this year, and it's really gained some traction, uh, landing placements on some major Spotify editorial playlists. Even though they are one of the newer Old Bear artists, the guys in this band have been playing music together for a long time, and some of these songs are years old. The band took their time with this record, and I think you can really feel the intentionality as you listen to these songs. So here is Anthony, Mo, and I hanging out and talking with Justin Reynolds and Brennan Blowers of the Royal Halls. Well, let's talk a little bit about this project, boys, as it, as it as it stands. So the other day, we were someone was talking to me about um, how good it sounded, and Lucas mentioned to them how long it took to record. So I thought that might be a good way to begin. You know, like sometimes uh, sometimes music comes like uh in a bolt like a bolt of lightning it just like it comes and it's there and you you write a song overnight and it's awesome and you record it and it's whatever other times it takes you know some effort to really mine for the gold in the in the in the project so with that said you know maybe talk a little bit about uh some of the journey on recording some of these songs and you know, I know in some cases, some of them are years old. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's, it's kind of an anomaly of a project because I know what you're, I know, I know what you're saying about sometimes like the rapid pace brings just a good thing in the moment where in this situation, we had mostly older songs that we've already gone through the process of demoing, recording, and already technically released a lot of them at one point in time. So the whole length thing um, really came down to just finding the, the, the time to coordinate everybody together. We, we actually did, about three years ago, we started the project, and we did all the drums in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, Brennan, you, you can probably talk more about that as far as, like, you know, what we did and stuff. But Yeah, I think, you know, originally the, the songs that, that are a part of this project, they were, some of them, 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and the original recordings didn't really represent how we played them. Yeah, we did them in GarageBand with like one SM57. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> right. We liked the we liked the the material, but not the yeah. not the outcome. Um, yeah. And it you know, it was okay for that time and what we were doing, but um, you know, we we would play them out, and it was more of a full band, fuller sound. Um, so. That didn't really change much when we when we um, recorded three years ago when we started the drums. Um, so it was pretty much just do what I've always done live, and we've been playing them for all those years. So it was pretty easy to just do it. There was no like we knew the arrangement, so it was get in there, get it done, and then um, from there we took our time with you know the other instruments and mm-hmm. sounds and. You know. And it started off as a as my solo project that Brendan got involved in because I'm a lousy drummer and um, and and uh, but over time when we when we 
put a band together to play them live, we we determined that it it felt like we wanted it to be a little more collaborative, and then naturally it just adapted into something else. But we'd go play shows, and we never had anything to hand somebody that said, "Here's here's us." I just had some old sounding stuff that had my name on it, mm-hmm. and we wanted to just kind of reboot. Like I said, we always felt strong about the content. We just wanted to reboot it with the feeling of a band and with a sonic quality that we were actually proud of. So we took our time to try to get to the point where we were, we were kind of nitpicking everything, you know, mm-hmm. it's like we knew, you know, the first time around, like a lot of the songs were kind of dense and kind of immature as far as like just tons of guitar parts stacked here and there and kind of messy and just, it was a learning process and you know, we kind of knew where we wanted to strip things back and, and, um, and just kind of be a little more mature and a little bit more like, uh, minimalist about it, but have less going on, but but what is going on of a higher caliber of performance and sound quality, and I feel like we kind of achieved that. Yeah, maybe because we took three years to yeah. do it. <laughs> so so the the record overall took three years to to sort of come together, and you know what we're hearing now. Is yeah, three, yeah. Some of us had babies and got married, and then the pandemic hit. So that probably wouldn't have taken three years, you know, if there weren't some other factors at play, but we didn't want to rush it, you know? Well, I think there is something about like, you know, um, I know at least for whenever I tend to record like a personal project, it tends to go so fast that you really become, you really become familiar with the material a couple years after (laughs) you've written it. And by that I mean like you really start to like think about like some of the some of the mystery of songs they come out of nowhere and you're just kind of like grabbing at words and ideas and you know like it's buried somewhere like in your your subconscious where these feelings are coming from but you don't really have like maybe you know maybe you have some ideas obviously some things are right in front of you but other things are like just I don't know where what I'm trying to say I just have this feeling, and this is the word I'm going to use to describe that feeling. And but then, a couple of years down the road, you're you're listening to the music, and you're thinking like, man, that really makes sense to me now more than it did then, hmm. you know. And I think having heard some of those songs on like early side, not you know, and then three years later, I think it comes through in the performance. Um, after writing out some of the songs and writing the material, having lived the life of those songs in some ways, um, I think it shows in the art, you know, in the way that it was in the way that it was created. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that it's, you know, not that you were saying that, but I don't think it's a bad thing that it's three years old. I think it's something where you sort of live in, kind of lean into the material, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Like, n- no regrets. I mean, it's it, I've never regretted taking time with something if anything i've regretted rushing things in the past you know mm. it's it's aged like a fine wine there that's you go. right Mo. there you go mm. and you know a lot about wines Mo. you're a connoisseur yeah i do enjoy a good wine. big wine head over there <laughs> there you go <laughs> i will say though no way around that was that's probably the most recent yeah that was and written, that was that was we kind of wrote that like a week before we started tracking the drive. Well, I think it was yeah. Week we wanted some new material. Yeah, to, so to be so that about. one we you know kind of just figured out the arrangement. Actually, <laughs> we recorded it, forgot to enable the overheads, <laughs> but we really really liked the performance of it and just added you know 
right. symbol swells some in. brightness we yeah. saved <laughs> after we, we saved it I just, I mean, I've always been sort of like, I, I guess I wish I was interested like longer in material that like I've written in the past. Usually it's like I write it, I'm really excited about what I've written and I wanna get it down right away. But I think that there's benefit in, like if you can be patient enough and sort of live a little bit with the material, even if the arrangement never changes, I think there is a settling in process that happens that I, I think like, you know, uh, listening to the record the other day, um, by the way, it's a perfect running record. Mm. If you're going to go for a run, just throw it on and it takes it, you somewhere. Yeah. It takes you, <laughs> it gets you through, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, that's how I can tell good music, right? If like it takes your mind off of agony, yeah. <laughs> you know, like running, right. You're in current agony, and you're just like, I'm never going to make it. And then the, you know, like you, you, your mind goes somewhere else because you're just listening to the music, you know. Good. Never thought of it. As a, never thought of it as a running. I don't record. know if I could run to it, but. Well, I can. So, <laughs> slowly, anyways, slowly. I was just saying though that I was thinking <laughs> yeah. about like you can hear it in the performance about like there's just some angst behind it. So I think that's good. Like that's a, that's kudos to you. And in, in a world where, you know, I just sort of like want to hurry and frenzy to get it down but then i feel like i if i played it again three years later i would be it would just feel different it might not sound different the arrangement might not be different to other people but you know yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think to your point about living with something for a period of time too i think this time around we just had more confidence in them like we'd we'd gone out and played these live and we knew which songs translated well with people we knew which songs you know, some people would comment about or like, oh, there's that, you know, we really love the creek or whatever, like that has its own. Th so, so like we felt we came into it knowing, I don't want it to sound arrogant, but like if we can do these well, people will like it was like our thought going into it. And I think that brought some like excitement, even though they were old songs, the exciting part was like finally being proud of the way they sounded and, and knowing that we thought at least some people would receive it well. Right. So. Which song was recorded mostly for the ladies? I think my favorite on the record is uh, Craziest Roads. Hmm. I just, I like the organization of it. It's not like the traditional, like, you know, verse payoff, verse payoff sort of thing. It just, it feels like it kind of. 
It's a different arrangement. Yeah, a different yeah. arrangement that is interesting. Like when I was listening to it, I was like, this is interesting to me. It, it, it piques my interest listening to something that's um, a little different. It's funny you say that. That's actually my, if I had to pick a favorite, that'd be mine as well. Which like, it wasn't. You saved it, Brennan. But saved like it. it wasn't, I mean, we that was probably the last one we, we got. It was just acoustic and like a little bit of electric, some, I don't even know. Really basic. Like the, yeah, or, the original there, there, recording had no drums there, at all. Yeah, there was some, per, like just a shaker. I think there was a tambourine. Nothing crazy. It was kind of like, well, let's just let it settle. But then we were, you know, eh, this is add a little something. Well, it just didn't like, listening through it, it was like, is this one going to make it? You know, and then. Yeah. Just, there's those know. big, like, those big kick drums, yeah, like, yeah. that are like, kind of booming. And yeah. I don't know what. That was you... thunder. Well, <laughs> so. <laughs> Brent, we, we were trying to figure out what it was missing, and because like I said, we, we were you know it's being an older song, we just recorded it the way we did the first time, and then Brendan actually uh, we were trying to figure out what the heck it needed, and you referenced Springsteen yeah. and the fire, mm. and he's like, man, what if? And then he he took the tracks home and sent me some drum tracks the next day, or the uh, um, the song with some drum tracks over top of it, and it was that rim shot you were doing. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh my goodness, that is it now. Like, we can keep it, this will make the record. And so it kind of was, like, saved in the last hour by your bright idea to just make it. It just came to life at that point. It came alive at that point. Yeah. So. Mm. the uh the old single lonely eyes what was the um sort of choice to make that one the single and uh talk talk to us about that song we used to open shows with that and it just was a it just felt like a strong introduction like if you Mm. if i think if we had had to pick like one song like if you could play somebody one song if they asked you what your band sounded like yeah okay this kind of encompassed yeah what we felt like our general sound was, and it's kind of short and sweet, and um, yeah, we used to open with it, so it just it brought a level of confidence, and 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 it would, you know, when you when you know when you when you play something live and you look around the room and you see people's attentions being grabbed, you know, yeah, and, and we were like, okay, if, if if we if that happens live, this would probably be a good, you know, a good leading single because again, they're old songs, but we need to come out of the gates with something that what's the first thing people are going to hear from this band they've never heard of before. So right. we just kind of... <laughs> and that was, that was one it. of the older songs, too, yeah. that's been around, you know, and we've played that 
probably more than any song. What song out of all of the bunch was the hardest to write lyrically? Lyrically. Yeah. I think Better Times. Um, because with that song, I, I had I had a specific story going on in my head for that one, but I, I tend to, to not want to be super literal. Like, I know it's a very cliche musician thing to say, but you want people to get their own thing out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I believe in that most of the time, but I had a very specific like storyline in my head for that song. So it was, it was tricky because I was trying to walk that line of not being too specific yeah. to what I was trying to say yeah, um, and leave some open-endedness, but still get the point across. Yeah. Because um, that song, you know, it's, it's really like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's kind of morbid, but it's like from the perspective of somebody who's, you know, they're, they're, Somebody they've known their whole life uh, is like on their like in a in a coma or out of not 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 with things anymore, and they're trying to like you know like things change in, in a heartbeat for that person, and yeah. they're trying to come to terms with that. And so that's the story I had in my head, but um, didn't want it to just come across like it's obvious, I guess. A lifetime movie, right? <laughs> precisely, <laughs> precisely, precisely. <laughs> One thing I like about this project is that it seems to incorporate some folks that have been hanging around us for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like, you know, in the age of solo artists and in the age of like just sort of doing things on your own, there is something kind of special about gathering together um, friends that have played music together for a long time. So maybe you can talk a little bit about because I know that's the case with this situation here. Um, I know it started off as a solo thing, but kind of turned into more of a like a like a dude hangout, you know? Like <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but just friends hanging, playing music, you know? Yeah, I mean. That's part of the reason it took so long is we're all busy guys, but we knew it would be worth the wait to get the right people involved, you know? Right. Um, mm. and, and 
you know, we wanted to make sure that, you know, Justin Michaud, for example, has has a feel that I can't I can't do on the guitar. Yeah. I can cover a lot of parts, but he's got a thing. Yep. You know, for example. And uh you know, so we I think we really just wanted to make sure we had the time to get the right people involved. And obviously it's more fun when you're not doing something in an, on an Island by yourself, you know, right. mm, yeah. and we got, you know, we got some, some different people involved. Um, you know, speaking of better times, like Sarah, Sarah Burns is a, a friend of mine who I've worked with on other projects before. And she covered that song on her album, uh, a couple of, uh, right before we recorded ours and I sang harmony on that and helped her produce that. And then she, did a reversal and sang harmony on our version of it and mm. it came out great. She's a great yeah. like country artist from South Carolina and, and um, you know, my wife, Trisha sang on some stuff. My, my sister Bethany sang on some stuff. My dad got involved. We had Jeremy playing pedal steel and you playing keys and it was just a great, cool, collaborative, yeah. cool, collaborative. Effort. Ryan, who's the biggest fan of the Creek played on the Creek. So. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ryan was the man. You got him a hat that says the Creek. Yep. <laughs> yep. Who would you say would be your influences when you when you started this whole thing? Um, so Mega this Death. Mega Death, absolutely. <laughs> Iron Maiden. <laughs> yes, I think uh, so. Before any of these songs were written, I had only played in like really loud rock bands, and uh, but always had a heart for just wanting to write good songs, but never. I don't know, I always maybe felt constricted to like whatever format um, I was playing in at the time. You know, if I was writing a song, it was it was for this band I'm in. And it had to kind of follow in that vein to support what that band did. And I think this was the first time in my life that I just wanted to try, at least in my mind, to try and write good songs. And some of that inspiration came from uh, listening to like old Whiskey Town mm-hmm. albums, for, like... Strangers Almanac and Pneumonia, like early Ryan Adams stuff that made me made me think, you know, some degree of, of country can be cool. You know, I grew up thinking a lot of country was not that cool. And well, a lot of it's not, but it a lot really of it's wasn't great. In our time. No, no like no, in the nineties it wasn't cool. No, or at least not <laughs> not in our circles that we ran in, right? So I I, li- I would listen to guys like Ryan Adams and and Wilco and stuff like that and and um, just Uncle Tupelo. It, it was kind of yeah yeah and just kind of be excited that like oh these guys are doing something that's different but it's like but I can sing kind of like that like maybe not as well but I can it, that doesn't sound like the country that I thought I knew mm-hmm. and it's their songs about things they're not just like loud rock and stuff I mean a lot of it is but but. Um, Th- those were some of the, I guess, early inspiration. And Brendan and I kind of got into a lot of that stuff back then and just decided we were just going to write some some stuff that that we felt a little more free in, whether it was a, a band or whether it was just a guitar and some brushes on, on drums or whatever. We didn't care. We just wanted the songs to stand on their own and be good. And a guy like Ryan Adams, for example, he can play a, a show on a guitar or he can play with his band and the songs are the songs and they translate and they, they transcend whatever format they're delivered in. I think that was kind of the goal, was to just have good songs. Mm. That was a long answer to your question. But. No, it was a great answer, though. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. Great answer. Mo loved every <laughs> second of that answer. This is just a
and well on this record too like we added some layers that wouldn't i mean there's some synths happening in some of these that we wouldn't have introduced but we've you know, we like a lot of like the you know paper kites and bears den and yeah, some of the new drugs yeah Warren drugs some of the new that, the new Casey but, Musgrave stuff yeah, has some like yeah. elements that are where it's a kind of hybrid, you know. So I've known you know Bren Bren of course has played drums on a lot of old bear records, um, and you know a lot of I would say at least. 70% of the artists that have released projects through the label of Old Bear, Bren, you know, has been playing drums on, you know, which is super cool to me just because, you know, it's, it is like a time capsule. You think about like, you know, you can go back and you can kind of visit those moments in your mind and it's fun to think about. And then, you know, I know Reynolds, you've played on a few projects that we've done here too and have also released. So, you know, it it's cool to me that we haven't partnered before hmm. on a release up until just now, and it felt like the right time, you know? And I don't know the answer to the, <laughs> there isn't a question here either, but it's just more of a statement that I think like, sometimes when you wait a little bit and you sort of figure out the right time for things to release, you know? And um, yeah, I think the, the project is, I'm very proud, of it, you know, for you guys, and and um, I think it fits perfectly with with this with our culture, mm. and and part of it is this, you know, most of it wasn't recorded here at the studio, you know, we're at, at Old Bear. Most of it was recorded in your basement, and um, some things obviously were recorded here, but I think the cool thing, the connection there in my mind is that you know we've always sort of been uh you know a label that does things a little differently and i know that basement studios are sort of becoming more of the norm now but but um uh but i love the idea that you know um it it it's sort of um at least in my mind uh fits the theme of what we do here which is you know we just want people to feel comfortable in their own skin. And for some people, that is, you know, recording over three-year time, uh, over, you know, um, not in a studio, like a formal space, but just like, you know, we've always strived to sort of like tear down the walls of like tradition when it comes to making music. And I think that this record is a perfect example of something that sounds maybe a little bit more mainstream than other artists that we have, um, but still feels authentic and real. And I think it's because of the way you, you, you recorded it. So maybe you can talk a little bit about like, you know, you know, maybe some of the elements of where you captured some sounds um, in which spaces. A lot of it was getting the drums right, because yeah. that's one thing that's hard to do in a basement. But you can talk about that because you and you were in charge of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, you, you, uh, Justin has like a two-level basement, so I was down with all the mechanical <laughs> equipment, <laughs> <laughs> the washing machine, his, you know, boiler, um, shelving, you know, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, just I don't know. It wasn't really. To be honest, there wasn't like any science behind it or like 
you know, really thought it was like, the computer's in the other room, I'll just, you know, we'll set up down here and do it, you know, mm -hmm. it'll yeah. be cool. Yeah, but there was more attention to detail yeah. than normal. You, like, you had great drums that were tuned well. We yeah, brought, in, we brought yeah. in the best microphones that we could. Our friend Eric LeFever. I just have high standards. Yeah, you, right. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I, <laughs> no, no, I get that. No, our friend Eric LeFever came and helped us engineer. He's yeah, another drummer yeah. who has a very meticulous ear. And, like, we just spent, like, half a day, like, miking and tuning yeah. and trying and re and that because that's, that's the foundation, and we really wanted to get that right because it's easy to record a great-sounding guitar part in I the mean, basement. But I think, too, part of it, like, and I don't know, I'm kind of a sentimental, like, dude with, like, weather, and we did it in March. It was snowy. It was, like, kind of a just a gray day, you know. I love coffee, so we got coffee, you know, and just, like, set, you know, you ease into it that way. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we kind of do that every time. Like we, you know, get two-inch ribeyes, two-inch thick ribeyes. We grill <laughs> them in the middle of a snowstorm, right. and you know, yep. Record some music. Yeah. So the key we, is snowy weather. That's yeah, what I'm it is. Here. Yeah. It okay. is. But to your point about being comfortable in your own skin, I mean, that's we 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 know our pace and what works, and and um, I think when I'm helping other people make music, if I'm like hired as a guitar player for somebody, I can kind of work in the moment and think like this is a job and try to come up with stuff quick and bank through it and I can kind of detach emotionally from it to just try to get the job done but when it's like our music and it's yeah. really personal like I know we we need to just feel not rushed and not like oh we have we have a long drive home or we got to be done at a certain time so it's been conducive to our creative process to just feel like we're literally at home yeah mm. and that helps us I think, I think play better i was thinking about this like when you were talking about influences and stuff but i think a lot of even the first time when we tracked these songs 13 years ago um i was in school at brockport and you live on campus it's crazy there's people everywhere whatever um but to come back on it was in between semesters winter break to come back and just go in to Justin's basement, it's, you know, out in the middle of, you know, Corfu, wide open road. I don't even know if you had, like, neighbors at that point. I don't remember. But um, you're kind of isolated, you know, mm -hmm. and there's not many distractions. It's just, you know, the gear in front of you and yeah. so. Which I think, I think always makes, like, you know, I, I don't know. There, there. I've I've read some really cool like articles on like the backgrounds of some of my favorite like all time favorite records, you know. And usually the the theme of those you know articles or the takeaway is that um, find you know. And this goes out to like people that are interested in making music, you know. Um, find a space that feels good first and then make the music second you know a lot of times if you have that luxury right so and and it's becoming more and more of a luxury that you can attain because of of thing recording gear becoming so um accessible but mm. you know i just think about often like it is about the steaks and the coffee as much as it is about a really good song and tuning mm -hmm. drums you know because that makes that translates in a in a different way when you feel at home mm. and so i just i've often loved reading art you know reading about records that i being recorded in just houses or 
like bands that have gotten away from the more traditional studio space and gone to and just rented a house in the mountains and stayed there and just recorded and it it may not be scientifically you know the place that you know is going to translate best sonically but musically and musicality and even the ease that you get from the project itself is important um, and, and the most important thing and i think that translates to me anyways my ears uh, more than sonics you know it's just like oh these guys feel good in their own space yeah. that's good they all want to know how we got here and i swear i never leave you waiting in the cold wind honey we're safe and sad people to remember. feel or rem- yeah sure remember <laughs> feel or um sort of like leave listening the record like after they listen to the record what do you want them to feel i'm not so much of a like after the record like my favorite i mean this is like the classic case but like my favorite records it's just get in your car and you just like go with it you know mm. So, I don't know, just, I don't, I, I don't like the idea of background music, you know, but yeah. like, just something that you can like, or even, I guess, running, you know, or whatever. I think it's a great driving album. Yeah, just like, I well, agree. you're saying times when you can focus on yeah, it. Yeah, like you're motion and like, it can take you somewhere, you know, yeah. while you're headed somewhere. I don't know. As a label, we just uh, switched distributors, which was um, came at the very right time for us. And uh, called they're called the company called Syntax Creative. And um, shout out to those guys. Just love people that um, uh, you can call. <laughs> You can call and get on the phone, you know, like rather than some of the bigger... They have good customer service is what you're saying. Yes. Rather than the bigger, you know, the bigger joints out there. Uh, So... um, CD baby. Yeah. (laughs) Tune core. We're calling you out. I mean, it's just, it's cool. Like we've been 
we partnered with them for this this uh, release, um, and it's going really well. So it's cool. Thank 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 you, Syntax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, thank you. We've got a crazy amount of <laughs> streams on Spotify. Yeah, it's text, good. I text Brendan every day, going, "How? What?" For a song that like came <laughs> out of nowhere, too. Yeah, like, it doesn't even make didn't sense. Expect that. It's, it's good. Great. It's good. I'm glad. Yeah, it's hard work paid off. So. Cool, boys. All right, well, I got to go pick up my kid from a Muck Dogs game. Wow. Muck Dogs. Well, I think we got it. That's, we did get it. This has been fun. It has been fun. Nailed it. Thank you for listening to Baritone Podcast. Be sure to check out the Royal Hall's record, Center of the Frame, wherever you listen to music. And keep up with the band on Instagram at the Royal Hall's Band. Big shout out to our Patreon supporters Curtis, Bradley, Eric, Justin, Olivia, Aaron, Andy, Timothy, Brennan, Carl, Legend, Mary, and KS Geekman. We appreciate you folks a lot. And if you want early access to Old Bear releases and exclusive Patreon content, or you just want to support what Old Bear is doing, head over to patreon.com slash oldbearrecords to check out the tiers that we have available, starting at 5 bucks a month. The show is produced by Anthony Hoisington and myself, Lucas Iverson. Thanks to Sarah Bridgman for creating the show's artwork, and Justin and Brennan of the Royal Halls for taking some time to chat. Thanks again for listening. Till next time, peace. Waiting for a pair to slow a bit and turn my way And how does love turn down the darkest road But we think no